Hello everybody and welcome back to Thematic Commander. This week we're going to keep going with our StarCraft themed Terran forces this time. And I'll see you in the main episode. Captain Raynor, I finished scouting out the area and... You pig! What? I haven't even said anything to you yet. Yeah, but you were thinking it. Oh, yeah. You're a telepath. Look, let's just get on with this, okay? Right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Thematic Commander. Uh, I'm Jason, uh, or better known around the internet, I guess, as Wolfie MTG or Wolfie Star. Um, hello. I know it's been a while. It's probably been almost a month. Uh, I've just been crazy with life and everything like that. I've uh, been looking for houses, been... Um, going to work, been cleaning things. I've had a couple family issues and things like that, but now I'm back. Uh, we're going to try and do a couple episodes a month, just as a heads up with the idea of this uh, podcast is, is to take a theme and then to build off of it. It could be anything from uh, favorite video games, favorite movies, uh, favorite mechanics, favorite story plots inside of Magic or outside of Magic. Uh, this week we're finishing... Or we're continuing with our StarCraft-themed EDH decks. Um, but we're going to start with a little bit about my week. And then we will go on to what the Terran units are about. So, a little bit about my week. Or about my past few weeks um, in Magic-related. And... Uh, I'll go over my D&D stories. So, a little bit in Magic. I've been selling a lot of cards. I was able to sell a lot to Card Kingdom, um, a few of my reserve list, reserve list cards, and things like that, so that I can afford a down payment on a house. Um, when it comes to building decks, I ended up building four out of the five new commander decks from Strixhaven. Um, right now, I'm playing a Pillow Fort version. Bum, 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 bum. We're going to get there. Most of the commander decks. So I'm playing a pilly, pilly fort, pillow fort version of the white black commander, which is Brienne. The well, the black white one that's a bird wizard or bird warlock. Um, pillow fort version. Also trying to give your give your opponents creatures so that they can attack other creatures, other players besides you, so that you guys can get the plus one counters and draw. In the green-black version, I'm playing the Garonne Master Chef, uh, and that's kind of an artifact-themed, food-themed, game-life-themed commander deck, which that one is, um, at the beginning of your up end step, create a number of food tokens equal to the number of non-token creatures you had enter the battlefield under your control this turn, so trying to get combos set up that are like um cat oven so you can continually flash back the cat reoccurring skeleton and a sacrifice effect a bunch of things like that and then things like Kadaltha forge master to sacrifice the food tokens and to take advantage of that i'm playing zaffy uh as my spells deck which that i'm more trying to cast a lot of spells on my turn i know a lot of people have been using the voice of uh duality I've been building more Voice of Duality decks and stuff like that, but I really wanted to go with Zaffy, just because I like the Magecraft theme of whenever you cast cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, scry one if the converted mana cost is 5 or greater, create a 4-4. Four, four. If it was 10 or greater, deal 10 damage to opponent at random. And then the last one I've built is the um, Ancient Witness, the Boros one. Three... Uh, and that is more of a token-themed, but also it's using Kadeltha Forge Master and other things like that, um, and ways to just tap down your artifacts, like Inspiring Statuary and I think it's Omen Clock or something like that, and because we're really trying to get the whenever one or more artifact creatures you control, oh, nope, never mind. Uh, I'm just playing those for Mana Rocks at this point because I didn't read the whole card. I haven't actually played the deck yet. So whenever one or more artifact creatures you control attack, 
witness deals X damage to any target and you scry X, where X is the number of tapped artifacts you control. Oh, okay. Actually, yeah, it still works. All right, great. I knew I had it in there. I knew I read it at some point. But yeah, I'm playing that kind of one. Uh, I'll probably have the deck lists up online at some point. I think I have a few up there already. If you want to just check out the link that I'll post in the in the show notes, um, you can go ahead and go to that. Uh, besides that, I haven't really made any of the set, like the actual set legendary commanders. Um, none of them really spoke to me. I did get all the alternate art of the dragons because I thought those looked sweet. Uh, just as art pieces, and a lot of them made it into the 99 of each of those decks. So with that, we're going to go on to my D&D game. So we haven't actually gotten a chance to play the X-Files-esque game uh, again, but that went pretty well. I don't know if I described it. We ended up beating the... So the main villain in this last storyline for the X-Files one was... Um, Legion, which was basically the souls of the or the damned angels uh, that fell from grace, and one of our one of our companions is a celestial, um, and that's their main enemy. So they were fighting them. They were fighting us with mannequins, dolls, and just all these really body horror esque creatures. Uh, but they were all mannequins and or dolls and or action figures. Um, my character being the kind of he's kind of a he's a I guess I would describe him as a Dexter-like character but only uh but not good like he's definitely still a killer but he only kills monsters like that kind of psychopath um he was there it wasn't really any part of his plot line he I think he took a a lot of damage during some of those fights, and we ended up killing, uh, or our angel ended up ending the... Oh, sorry. Actually, my character and another character both got possessed at some point, and we ended up having to try and kill our own teammates. Uh, we got unpossessed once we were knocked out, and then our main celestial character uh, ended up defeating Legion. Um, so that was that story. We're going to be going on to the next plot line. Uh, when we get back to that game. In the main D&D story, however, uh, right now we had traveled, after we defeated the main squid, we had traveled to the town above, got rid of our refugees. Um, in that main town, uh, it was really kind of a down downtime. Not a whole lot happened for my character, which is the human fighter, but for our tinkerer and our, and our sorcerer tiefling, uh, they both got visited by, I believe they were deities. Uh, one was a mechanic deity and the other was a uh, magic deity. Both of them got bestowed to be, I believe they're champions, which is really good. They all got a bunch of buffs. We'll see what those are as the we get into the next combat and things like that. Um, our tiefling deity was able to use, is now... Our tiefling sorcerer is now able to use soul, like a type of soul fire that was able to destroy the dark crystals that are what's absorbing souls. Um, so we had one of the staffs that basically summons giant monsters uh, to fight for the lich that is part of these souls or these soul capturing crystals. I'm, I'm like trying to reach back almost a month ago in my memory. Um, so that happened while we were there. We ended up moving on to the river town because we're kind of as a group decided we need to work our way up to work our way up to um, defeating the main baddie, obviously, and also uh, to getting back one of the main wizardesses that was pulled into an infernal realm while we were uh, fighting the giant squid. So we decided, oh, we have to help her and everything like that, but we need to also level up a lot more. Uh, so we went to the river town. While in the river town, we were getting a little bit, which is fine. We were getting a little bit railroaded into um, 
going to see the main politicians there so that we can gain access to the river uh or gain access to the um the lake uh which is fine we understand uh while we were there we also we had three different inns to go and see uh one inn was uh main adventure inn one was a hostel and the third was kind of a kitschy uh tourist trap so we decided to stay at the tourist trap and i'm at some point, probably going to have to put on a show about the adventures of the horns and hair. Uh, and that's basically where we ended the D&D game for the time being. We're going to be trying to pick it back up. I believe, I'm not sure if they want me to do this or not, but I think we're going to be recording it. Uh, so I'll have a post and a link to that if we end up recording it and you guys can listen to the adventures. Okay, with that, that was everything. We're going to go on to the... Uh, story behind a little bit more about behind StarCraft and the Terran forces and a lot of it's going to be from my memory so yeah <laughs> uh, here we go and a little bit about the deck this is Kerrigan we've neutralized the Protoss but there's a wave of Zerg advancing on this position we need immediate evac belay that order we're moving out what? You're not just gonna leave us! All ships, prepare to move away from Tarsonis on my mark. Ah, uh, boys. How about that evac? Damn you, Arcturus. Don't do this! It's done. Helmsman, signal the fleet and take us out of orbit. Now! Commander! Jim? What the hell's going on up there? Alright, so... Um, I'm going to describe a little bit of what I remember from reading the original books on uh, StarCraft for the Terran history. Um, it used to come with this small booklet, uh, or it was maybe a big size booklet from the original StarCraft, um, describing how humans got to this sector and uh, everything that kind of led up to the Confederacy and the uh, downfall of the Confederacy or the downfall of, um, I think it was the Confederacy, because that was the clip we just played was when Octarus Minx finally took over uh, the Empire. So, yes. So, it would have been the downfall of the Confederacy to Octarus Minx's regime, um, and then what we pick up on, what we pick up on, what we pick up on in the Terran timeline is Jim Rayner is now a rebel, uh, you're playing as Jim Rayner in the next one, whereas in the original ones you're playing as um, just a commander of some sorts and Jim Rayner is talking to you, which really, I think I might have told you about it in the episode before this. I really love the way StarCraft 1 emerged you into the game like that. But, okay, so starting off, humans, uh, through overpopulation of the Earth, and I believe the solar system at that point decided to send prisoners, kind of like in Australia, off into space on these giant uh, spaceships, on these giant prison ships, and said they're going to go and they're going to colonize these worlds that are however many years away. They put them into stasis. A couple of the ships obviously didn't make it. Some, Most of the ships did. They landed on different planets that they were able to colonize on. And from the wreckage of those ships, they were able to build the first like types of command centers, shanty towns, things like that, uh, so that they could survive. Obviously, after multiple generations, they started to develop more space travel, um, and there was travel between two different worlds. One was the Confederacy, and one was a uh, just a different planet. Um, after a while, the Confederacy took over most control. Um, it was a very strict regime uh, where a lot of... And they started colonizing other planets and things like that, where a lot of individuality was obviously suppressed, a lot of um, uprisings were suppressed, and I believe what ended up happening was... Octurus Minx's homeworld tried uprising and the Confederacy nuked the entire planet. 
because he forms the rebel group, the Sons of Korhal. So yeah, I believe Korhal ended up being destroyed. Either It might have either been by the Protoss or it might have been by uh, the Confederacy. But no matter what, Octarus Minx blamed the Confederacy for letting his world die. Or maybe it was just a city. I don't. I'm not completely sure. I can't remember it all. Um, but uh, after that, Octarius Mink goes and picks up a marshal named Jim Rayner. Uh, Jim Rayner has a couple books on his history and his, how he came to be a uh, marshal. He also uh, had a group of friends in which he fought with during the or inside the Confederacy, one being Tychus. Oh, what's his name? What's his full name? Tychus Finley. Uh, one being Tychus Finley. Uh, they both went around and fought for the Confederacy. Uh, at some point, they turned kind of rogue just for basically money and realizing that the Confederacy was just a terrible, terrible um, government. They ended up being picked up by Arcturus Minx. Well, certainly kind of. But Jim Rayner definitely, uh, along with Kerrigan, uh, which was the first scene that you saw. That was when Kerrigan and Jim Rayner first met. Uh, Arcturus Minx having his own plans for basically wanting to be the emperor of the Terran world out on the outskirts and everything like that betrays Kerrigan uh, leaving her for dead and Jim Rayner then becomes a rebel at that point and leaves the sons of Korhal after Octarus Minx becomes the emperor of the uh, known Terran space in this area um, further on uh, the United Earth Confederate or the United Earth the UED United United Earth United Earth Directorate uh, eventually comes and realizes that people have been expanding out this way. So they come and they fight the new Sons of Korhal, uh, Mecturus, Octurus Minx's uh, empire, and are eventually pushed back by uh, Octurus Minx using the Zerg to defeat the UED. Uh, it picks up with the storyline there. StarCraft II is basically, like I said, following Jim Rayner and his crusade against Octarus Minx, uh, along with Sarah Kerrigan, because she did not die. We find out she was turned into the Queen of Blades, which we found out before. And, yeah. So, a little bit about the deck. A little bit about the deck we're going to be using. So, I base this more on... I've seen some people do more like the pillow fort thing that you can do in StarCraft where you... Um, they have these missions where you basically hold out for 30 minutes and then they can evac you. Um, I base it more off of all the units you can use and the main characters in the story from StarCraft 2. Uh, we are using... We are using Kaikar, Winds Fury. Um, this is more... This is more using um, Kaikar as the Hyperion, which is Jim Rayner's battlecruiser, um, because it disgorges units and it helps supply your army and everything like that. So with that, we're going to go on to the next scene. <laughs> so to what do I owe the pleasure? Just a friendly business proposition. Do you even know what the Dominion are doing out here? I'm guessing you're about to tell me. Digging up alien artifacts, old buddy. Your boy Minsk has gone crazy for them. But I got a contact that'll pay top dollar for every artifact we liberate from the Dominion. I guess I can hardly pass that up now, can I, Tychus? Partners, then. 60-40. 70-30. My way. <laughs> Feels like old times already. 
old times. So yeah, uh, I really loved all the interactions between uh, <laughs> between Jim Rayner and Tychus. Uh, their story is actually really wonderful. Um, you end up finding out a lot that a lot of the Marines and their memories have been altered. So that when you think that the Zerg attacked and then the Dominion came in and or the Confederacy came in and saved them, what actually happened is the uh, Confederacy came in, destroyed most of their family's like holdings and everything like that, and then would take away uh, the children, brainwash them to thinking the Zerg did it, and then they have more incentive to fight for you. Uh, I believe that might have happened in Jim, but I can't completely remember. It would be a good story to go back and reread. Uh, so, the deck. So, we're using Kaikar as the Hyperion. Uh, Kaikar, if you're not familiar with it, it's one and just guy for a 3-3 three, three flying. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create a 1-1 one, one white spirit creature token. With flying, sacrifice spirit, add one red to your mana pool. So this really helps because we're going to be casting quite a few vehicles, which are non-creature spells, as well as some planeswalkers. And then we have a few support cards as well. You do get uh, a 1-1 spirit for every mana rock you cast. And we are playing 16 mana rocks. So let's go into... Let's go into our minerals, quote-unquote. I'm using the same kind of theme. Even though a lot of these vehicles would cost Vespian gas, um, you can think of these either as Vespian gas or minerals. <clears throat> so these are our mana rocks. Uh, I'm just going to read down them real quick. Arcane Signet, Azorius Signet, Boros Signet, uh, Fel, Fel, Fel War Stone, uh, Guardian Idol, which is great because it's also a creature, so it can crew our vehicles. Is it Signet? Uh, Marble, Marble Diamond, Mind Stone, Sacrifice Draw Card, uh, Prismatic Lens, Sky Diamond, Soul Ring, Star Compass, Talisman, 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 so all the Talismans we can use, and then Thought Vessel. So, basically every Mana Rock we can run, that's 16 Mana Rocks, so, but... I think it's okay to be using that many mana rocks because there are ways to utilize our artifacts in this deck, as well as uh, it is also just a 1-1 with Kaikar. So we can always basically keep Kaikar out. So I'm going to start... I would like to start with the characters. So I think that's what we're going to start with. So for Tychus Finley, uh, as you go through the game he's basically the first person you're going to meet in starcraft 2 we're using uh cosma god of voyage for the most for the most part you find out he cannot leave his suit um and i'm using the suit kind of as his vehicle part um being the omen keel on cosmos god voyager uh if you i'll read anything that's kind of from the newer sets um, but besides that, I'm just going to kind of tell you what they do on a general sense. If you think you'd rather hear me read each card, let me know. But I'm trying to cut down the deck tech a little bit. Uh, so, Cosmos God uh, Voyage is two and a blue. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may exile, exile it. If you do, it gains... Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, if it, if it is exiled, if Como... Coma is exiled. You may put a Vorge counter on it. If you don't, return Coma to the battlefield with X plus, plus, plus one counters on it and draw X cards, where X is the number of Voyage counters on it, so a great draw effect. Also, can either crew a vehicle or be a vehicle, whichever one we need at the moment, which I love uh, with the new Flip Gods. They're so very versatile. Um, Jim Rayner. We have Jim Rayner as DePaula, Pilot X Exemplar. One red and... Oh, no. Sorry. Uh, so this one gives bonuses to our dwarves, which you are playing a few of. And each vehicle gets plus one, plus one, um, as long as it's a creature. And whenever it becomes tapped, you may pay X. If you do, reveal the top X cards of your library. Reveal dwarf 
or vehicle card from among them and put it into your hand and put the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. Uh, Jim would be a 3-3. Three, three. Matt Horner? Matt Horner? Horner? <laughs> is the is Jim's second command on the Hyperion. We have him represented as Raph, Raph Capuchin Ship Mage. Um, this is the one that gives all of your historic spells, which would be your artifacts, Flash, uh, and it has Flash, and it's a 3-3 three, three flying. So, for the most part, Matt stays on Hyperion the entire time. Ariel uh, Hansen is the ship's not main well i guess i would say scientist cuz he they do have another scientist alongside um alongside on the hyperion but this is kind of jim rayner's i would say secondary love interest but not really uh they just have a very good relationship and jim ends up caring for her and her people uh quite a bit we have it represented as han our Hannah ship's navigator for uh, being able to drag back artifacts and enchantments from the graveyard, uh, which was going to help us a lot with our vehicles. Uh, she is a one-two. She never really sees combat. Roy Swanee is the main mechanic on the Hyperion. He's the one that's fabricating all of the vehicles, everything like that. We have him represented as Saram Senior Artificer. Uh, Saram is going to be drawing us quite a few cards, and he never really sees—he never really sees combat, but he can pilot vehicles, so that's always great. Graven Hill, which is a name I didn't actually know that he had, is actually the mercenary that sits on side the Hyperion and allows you to buy units that can come down and for a certain price, but they're very quick. They come down in drop pods, and you're able to get more advanced units as the game goes on. Uh, Grave Hill I have represented as Magda Brazen Outlaw, which is, I think, pretty thematic, which is cool. Uh, other dwarves get plus one, plus one. It is a one in a red for a two one. Whenever a dwarf you control becomes tapped, gain a treasure token, sacrifice five treasure tokens, search your library for a artifact or a dragon card and put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Uh, so I don't believe I have any dragons in the deck, but I do have quite a few artifacts, so that'll be a good one to be able to go and get. And if you pay enough treasure, you get your artifacts, so I think that is very good for a mercenary. Next one up is Gabriel Tosh. Gabriel Tosh is a psyker. Well, no, I shouldn't say psychic. Psyker is a psychic. Um, kind of the, not the reverse of a ghost, but a different program uh, whereas they were more made to be these ruthless killers, um, still stealth-like units. But whereas a ghost is more, I would say, more regimented and more uh, do what you're told. He's more of a loose cannon, um, higher psychic abilities, and maybe a little less skill than a ghost. But... Gabriel Tosh, I have represented as Tezzeret the Seeker. Uh, deals with artifacts, but he doesn't really... But he does deal with high-tech equipment, so that's why I kind of thought uh, Tezzeret the Seeker would be a good fit for him. And now that's most of the... Actually, that's most, if not all, of the characters that are on Hyperion and that we deal with. There are a bunch of, obviously... Uh, Octarus Minx, and a bunch of side characters that you get to see throughout it. Uh, Valerian Minx, uh, which goes straight up against Arcturus Minx, uh, does end up on the Hyperion, but... Oh, shoot! Oh my gosh. Okay, wait, one more character. I completely forgot. Egon, Egon Strayersman. Now, he is the main mechanic, or main scientist on the Hyperion. He's the first one that's there. He shares a lab with uh, Hansen, but he'll be your biologist. He'll be your, he's your biologist. He's your tech guy. Um, he does all the research and everything like that. I have it represented here as Dreddy Scrap Savant. Um, he is a genius. He is amazing at what he does. Um, so I thought Dreddy would be a great fit for him. Also, Dreddy helps us use our artifacts, bring back more important artifacts when we have them it also allows us to recycle 
our mana rocks into creatures or into vehicles if we want. Um, also, if we can ever get the ultimate off, it's just great. Also, card advantage. That card is great. All right. So now we are going to move on to the Terran units. Starting off with our SCV, we have Aethersphere Harvester. When um, Aethersphere Harvester looks kind of like a SCV, also is a 3-5 flyer um, that gains energy and only crews for one. So that's pretty good. It also gives you the lifelink, which would be great if we were getting low on things like that. Uh, we have the mule unit, which is a is a temporary unit that basically does what an SCV does for minerals and Vespian gas. Uh, we have that represented as Colossal Plow. Uh, two mana, six, three. Whenever a Colossal Plow attacks, add three white to your mana, and you gain three life until end of turn. Uh, that mana doesn't empty during your untapped step, and it crews for six. Um, this just being so weak in the defense section of it is why I chose the Colossal Plow. It's also really cheap to to cast, but expensive to crew, because they're kind of like, well, if you're going to waste waste an ability on this and the upgrade, uh, might as well get something out of it. Our main attack units, which are the Marines, uh, a few units inside here. So we have Toolcrafter Exemplar. Um, these are all Kaladesh for the most part, and a few others. Uh, this one is, just gets bigger as you have more artifacts out, and it becomes a 3-2. And it'll get also first strike if you control three or more artifacts. Psychon Farmer. Uh, now this is one of the new ones. It's three and a white. Whenever Psychon... Psychon Farmer enters the battlefield, search your library for a basic planes and reveal it. If your opponent controls more lands than you, you can put it onto the battlefield tab. Otherwise, put it into your hand and then shuffle your library. It forecasts for one in a white. Reckless Crew. Now, this is just you swarming in with all of your Marines. Reckless Crew is a new card as well. Three in a red. Create X21 Dwarf Berserkers tokens where x is the number of vehicles you control plus the number of equipment you control for each of the of those tokens you may attach an equipment to them so just really good when we have quite a few uncrewed vehicles we could throw a bunch of marines inside of them and then we have aeronaut uh admiral uh, three and a white oh sorry three and a white vehicles you control have flying and is a 3-1 flyer. Uh, next up is the Marauder, which we have represented as uh, Foundry Inspector. Three uh, just is going to make our artifacts cheaper. I You could probably find a better thing to represent the Marauder, because the Marauder does deal a lot of damage to armored units. Um, if you have one better, please message me. That would be great. Next unit up is the Reaper. We have uh, Reapers like to go fast. They can go over multiple types of terrain. Um, Speedway Fanatic. So Speedway Fanatic has haste, and whenever you crew a vehicle, that vehicle has haste and is a 2-1. Uh, the next unit up is probably one of the more famous and fun units, which is the Ghost. We have that represented kind of because they have such uh, versatility. I have it with Master Trinketeer and the new card from the newest set. Uh, dig site engineer so two in a white most of the time ghosts would be ghosts would be leading strike teams and everything like that uh or commanding uh advanced tech and drones and things like that so dig site engineer is two in a white whenever whenever you cast an artifact spell you may pay two if you do create a zero zero colorless construct artifact creature token with this creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control, and is a 3-3. Three, three. Uh, the next unit we have up after that is the Medic. So, Medics obviously heal your units. I have it represented as Dwarf Recruiter. Now, this is an older card, so I'm going to read it to you real quick. So, two in a red. When Dwarf Recruiter enters the battlefield, search your library for any number of dwarves. Reveal them, then shuffle your library and put them on the top of your library in any order. They are a 2-2. Two, two. Uh, the last unit that... I could find, um, because there's been so many units taken in, taken out, through campaigns, through different uh, fights like that. So the last uh, unit that can be made from the barrack, for the most part, is the Firebat. 
with the fire bat, we went with veteran motorist. So veteran motorist, when it enters the battlefield, you scry. Whenever you crew a vehicle, the crew vehicle gets plus one, plus one. It's a three, one. Um, the color scheme really thought maybe remind me of fire, but that's okay. Like stuff like that. And that's why we went with the fire bat for that one. So with the vehicles, I'm going to go a little bit out of order, whereas with the units, I tried to stay within pretty much in order. So with this one, we're going to start with the... So there's a vehicle you can make. I believe the only way you can make it is in not in the main campaign, but is in the, um, in the PvP type service, which is called the Cyclone. So the Cyclone is a fast hit-and-away vehicle produced from the factory, which is attached to the tech lab. Uh, it was first introduced in Legacy of the Void. Uh, has the ability to call lock-on, which does roughly the same amount of damage uh, as its regular attack, but has a longer range and allows it to shoot while moving. Um, oh, actually, I did think I used this. So it's just like a long-range missile launcher. Uh, I have it represented here as Boom Barge Bazaar, or Boom Mate Bazaar Barge. Four mana uh, vehicle. for It's a 5-5, five five, cruise for three. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. Uh, the Thor. So Thor is this giant mechanized uh, war machine that would basically be your battlecruiser on legs instead of in the air. So I have it represented by Combustible Gear Hulk. It allows you to draw cards. It's first strike. It's a 6-6. Six, six. The Wraith, which is your small aerial unit. It's versatile. It hits either ground units or flying units. Uh, also has a stealth mode so that when it's in stealth, you can't see it, obviously, unless you have a detection tower. I have it represented here by Silent Submarine. Uh, this is a vehicle that is a 2-3 for a blue and a blue, cruise, and when it deals combat damage to a player or a planeswalker, you draw a card. So more card advantage. Uh, drop pods. So there's no real unit for drop pods, but I have it represented as were of invention, X blue, 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 improvise, and search your library for an artifact with converted man cost X or less and put it into the battlefield. The next kind of ability slash slash not really a creature um so thor and siege tanks can go into a form of siege mode which lays down heavy artillery against a single area or unit i have that represented as blasphemous act uh because you're going to be dealing a lot of damage to everything and i believe there is splash damage the next unit up is the valkyrie uh valkyries can change between air and ground but they have to um, actually go into those modes, and when they're in one, they can't do the other. Uh, so I have that as Untethered Express. <laughs> Picture's so funny. Uh, it's a four-mana vehicle. When it attacks, you put a plus one Muslim counter on it. It only crews for one, which is great. It has Trample, and is a 4-4. Four, four. Uh, the next unit is the Raven, which is also a multi-versatile uh, unit. It can... For the most part, it just drops either turrets or it uh, sends out EMPs. I have it represented as Heart of Kirin. Um, this is a 4-4 vehicle for two, and you can crew it by removing um, for three or by removing. It's also a flying unit, huh? Uh, or by removing loyalty counters from planeswalkers. So the uh, dropship and or medevac uh, I have represented as... Conqueror's Galleon. Uh, Conqueror's Galleon is a four, four mana artifact, uh, or four mana vehicle for that is a two ten. And when it attacks, exile it at the end of combat, then return it to the battlefield. Uh, transformed. Its flip side, it cruises for four. Its flip side, its flip side is a land taps for one colorless, uh, and then it has a bunch of. Different abilities, pay two, draw a card, discard a card, pay four, draw a card, um, pay six, return target card from your graveyard to your hand. All tap abilities. Um, as well as, because that's also kind of the dropship or Matavec, like I said. And the drops dropship version is Enchanted Carriage, 
five mana vehicle, uh, four four. When it enters the battlefield, you make two one one uh, mouse creature tokens, and it is cruise for two. The Hellion, which is the firebat vehicle, basically, I have as flame wheel cruiser, uh, four mana vehicle for five and a three, five or sorry, four mana vehicle that is a five three. Trample haste, and when it enters the battlefield, it becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. It also crews for two. The next unit up is the Banshee. Uh, we have it as Smuggler's Copter. Uh, Banshees can only deal damage to... They can cloak and only deal damage to ground units. Uh, Smuggler's Copter is two mana vehicle for... It's a 3-3, three, three, and when it attacks, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. It crews for one. Armed and Armored... Uh, is something I represent by autopilot. Usually you can just click a unit or click a group of units and press attack in one direction. This is kind of what it's representing. Um, it's a one and a white instant. Vehicles you control become artifact creatures until end of turn. Choose a dwarf you control. Attach any number of uh, equipments to uh, you control to it. Uh, just wanted a good card in the deck. Also, uh, there's a lot of times where I just click attack and go. So, The science vessel. So the science vessel I have represented by the weather ship or weather light. Uh, weather light is a four mana vehicle. It is a four five flying. And when it deals combat damage to a player, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal many, any historic card from among them. Put it into your hand and put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. It crews for three. Another type of draw effect. Also, uh, I don't know. I feel like a lot of research would be done on the Weatherlight. Our biggest units. So our battle cruisers we have represented as Sky Ships. Sky Sovereign Council Flagship. Uh, five mana vehicle for six. Or it has a six and. Or it's power six. Or five mana vehicle five six. Flying when it enters the battlefield it deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker and or an opponent controls and a cruiser three that's your yometa cannons and then parhelion two six white white for a five five flying first strike vigilance when it attacks creature create two four four oh my gosh uh for for angel flying creature tokens with vigilance uh that are attacking it crews for four now, for some real quick abilities, so you can obviously drop nuclear warheads. Nuclear launch detected. So that's our nuclear launches, which would be Wrath of God and Supreme Verdict. Then we have um, the Siege. Oh, my gosh. I forgot one last unit. Let me get it real quick. Where's the Valkyrie? Oh, I forgot two units. Okay, let me get them. Oh, there's so many units. And there's a bunch of side units that I haven't gotten to. Um, things like the Predator and the Mule. Like, I did the Mule, but there's no real sounds for it. So so we have, I can't believe I forgot this, was one of the most iconic units for me, uh, which is the Siege Tank. So Mizium Tank, we have representing our Siege Tank for one Red Red for a 3-2 vehicle. Uh, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put a plus one plus one counter on it, and it crews for one. It also has trample. And then we have siege modification, which is the representation for it going into siege mode. Siege modification is one red red enchantment aura, enchant vehicle, or creature or vehicle. As long as uh, enchanted permanent is a vehicle, it is a cre creature in addition to its other types. Uh, enchanted creature gets plus three plus O oh, and has first strike. And then our last unit, uh, which is the Valkyrie or not the Valkyrie, huh, the Vulture. Uh, I have the Vulture as a speed bike. It's represented here as Cultivator's Caravan. It taps at one mana. It crews for three. It is a five five. Uh, and then the last ability, um, just so that we have a little bit of removal, I have Swords to Plowshare and Dispatch. Uh, these are your sniper abilities on your ghosts or on your marauders. And that's it. So that's the deck. Uh, we are going. I have a bunch of lands. You can look at them. I'm playing quite a few basics. I'm playing a majority of 
uh, all the dual lands and things like that. So with that, we're going to go into our next section, which is a news to wizards, or a letter to wizards. Dead man's port. It's risky just waiting here with all these mercenaries around. Colonel Orland sure taking his time decrypting that adjutant for us. Yeah, I'm getting a bad feeling about this. Incoming transmission. James, Orland decrypted your adjutant, but he's planning to sell it to the Dominion. Must have been something exciting in there. He, he wants me to keep you off his back until they arrive. So I had, um, a while back, about five days ago, I had posted a question to um, everybody and to kind of wizards. Uh, what is the best idea for for wizards to support uh, gameplay at your local LGS? So now that we're starting to kind of open back up, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm sure other people are as well. Uh, what is the best way, once we're safe to go back in, for wizards to support the local LGSs? Um because now as they are focusing more on arena, but we don't want to lose these communities where we do socialize, where we do build these um, connections, as well as at Magic Fest and stuff like that. How do we support as a community and as wizards the continuation of our local LGSs? Because the only way that I can see going forward for the game to grow is obviously advertisement, but as well as community building uh, within schools and within our LGS. I think one good step um, would be to... I personally think one good step would be to allow LGSs to buy at a cheaper rate secret layers if you're going to be putting them out, like all secret layers, and allow them to sell them in-store at a limited run, just like your secret layers uh, online. Just allowing people to, if they don't feel like going online and buying them, or if they want to try and pre-order them through uh, their LGS, they can do that, as well as have the option of buying them online for that limited time. Uh, why not give the LGSs a little bit of that money? Um, so I always thought that would be a good idea. But other things could be um, putting out uh, promos again for going and playing at people at different stores, uh, creating a play a play group setting through wizards where you can track where like how each person has fared against other people at their local LGSs. Um, just kind of like you had the system with DCI, uh, you could keep going with that. Or even um, an idea I've had, which I would love to do, is, well, I'll tell you about that in the closing statements because I have a little homework if you would like to help me with it. Um, but that's my question to Wizards. If you have one to pose, you can always at Wizards, I'm sure. Uh, make sure to fill out any surveys they have and anything like that. So with that, we're going to go on to the end. Titus, what have you done? I made a deal with the devil, Jimmy. She dies. I go free. We all got our choices to make. Damn shame. Here we are at the end. Um, just wanted to say thank you for sticking with me. I will get the last one out, which would be the Protoss, uh, probably in a couple weeks, things like that. Um, so in the end here, I just wanted to let you know, uh, what you could do to help me if you really wanted to is I, at some point really, really want to get a risk style game board together, um, either of the 10th district, uh, of Ravnica or of the multiverse and different planes. And I want to get it so that like either when you're at your LGS or with your local play group, you can either pick a guild or you can pick um, a type of theme that you want to play. Like if it's the multiverse, have it be uh, a planeswalker as your commander or something like that. And you go from game to game, you're fighting in a different part of the district or you're fighting in a different plane, not like plane chase, um, but you can play it with plane chase. But in each section, so 
as you're slowly going through this risk board, you're taking other people's units. You can either fight, um, you can either fight as a group like a two-headed giant, or you can be one v three, or you can be uh, free for all in a neutral unit area. Uh, I'll have it all fleshed out. But while you're in this area, so say it was an Azorius uh, controlled area. There would be a deck of cards that give the Azorius player the advantage in that area. And they'd be small advantages. So, like, activate this once per game um, for the next... Until you, the end of your next turn, every spell your opponent cast... Every sp uh, spell your opponent's cast... Um, cost one more and you can activate it once per game and you would have a little deck with different abilities like that in that area that you can either activate different times what i need people to do is if you can we're going to start with the 10th district uh for each guild if you have a really good idea for a temporary ability or a temporary thing that could be put on a card for when you control that area uh you can also do neutral areas and different effects that happen during the game. So, like, if you're in a neutral area, but it's still within the is it section, you can have it that, like, random lightning bolt. Um, once per once per game rotation, uh, a random lightning bolt will strike from the sky and hit a random target on the battlefield that a lightning bolt could target. So, things like that. If you can come up with that and submit them to me you can tweet it dm me email me uh you can tweet at wolfie mtg or just look for me at thematic commander you can email me at wolfie star one two at gmail.com um just with those ideas i would i'm going to work on it at some point by myself but we'll just see how it goes um but yeah so that's what i want to get going and see how it goes uh, and then I have to come up with the board and different spaces and different abilities you can go through. Um, besides that, that's my information. Um, if you're interested in coming on, uh, you can DM me. We'll see how we, how we interact and everything like that. And if you have a really good idea for a deck and you just really want to be on or you really want me to go over it, um, if you have any kind of theme deck that you'd really like to go over, we can see how that goes. Just message me and we'll see how we mesh. Besides that, I do want to say thank you, everybody, for everything you've done uh, or for everything you've listened to and been through. Um, episode 21. This is it. I don't think I mentioned it, but yeah. Uh, thank you so much and keep it thematic. Taking us back to Char. It's like you're gone already. This ain't about the Dominion. Our war has always been about saving lives. If the Zerg wipe everyone out, it's all been for nothing. So I'm going back to Char. If you're with me, it's your choice. Just like it's always been. Now that's the commander I've been waiting on. Satisfied? <laughs> Let's get back to work, boys.